Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. Hey, it's good to see y'all here and everybody watching online as well. Okay, today to get started, we're going to have a little audience participation. You guys ready to have fun? Yeah, all right, good. Okay, you're going to turn to the person next to you. And you're going to ask the individual, what comes to your mind first, right off the bat, word association, when you hear the word evangelist, okay? Turn to each other, ask each other that question. What comes to your mind when you hear that word evangelist? This is going to be good. I've already done this at Sun City. This is so good. All right, I played a rock and roll gig Friday night, and my ears are still ringing, so you're going to have to shout out your answer, okay? Go ahead. Anybody want to fire away? Billy Graham. Graham. That was the first one at Sun City. Okay. Very good. Next. Raise your hand. What's that? Yep, that came out at Sun City as well. And Terry Spinelli will be here next week. He's our missionary, so we got an exciting treat for you. Just a little preview. All right. Paul, the Apostle Paul. Yep. Greg Laurie. Okay. How about outside of people's names? How about some of you guys share some things like character qualities that may be part of being an evangelist? Bold. Okay. Caring, outspoken, huh? Charismatic, okay. No fears, yeah. Dynamic, okay. You guys are all so positive. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) Truthful. In your face. Now now we're getting somewhere. Uh Uh-huh, if we're really honest, yeah. Male. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you stirred something up there. <laughs> you can talk to Monica afterwards. That a teacher? Yeah, out of Sun City, you know, kind of obnoxious, in your face, bold, you know, maybe a little bit obnoxious. You know, all those things come out. All right, so there was this recent survey of non-Christians, and they asked the question, are you comfortable talking about spiritual things? Two out of three said they would be very comfortable discussing spiritual topics. But the problem is when you do the other surveys with Christians, most are not comfortable just being willing to go out and talk with an unbeliever about spiritual things. You got to ask the question, why is that? I think there are a host of reasons. Sometimes people just don't have relationships with people outside the church, or maybe it's a fear of failure, some past rejection, fear of not having the right answer, don't want to lose a friend. But what if I told you that there's actually an easy way to have conversations about spiritual things, a way that's not awkward, it's not forced? Because I'm convinced that the reason we don't engage people in spiritual conversations is because we bought into this lie of how difficult or painstaking it can be, when in reality, it can just be as natural as any other conversation. But to do it that way, it starts with a single word. 
And this is the big word for today. It's the word invest, invest. I'm gonna tell you, we have to be willing to invest in a relationship with somebody before they'll usually be open to listening to us. And that's where we often fall short. So we're in this series called The Master's Plan. When Jesus said, I will build my church and what the church is all about. And so far, we've talked about our vision, reaching every man, woman, and child with the good news of the grace of Jesus. That's our vision as a church. We've talked about our mission, which is to help imperfect people, like all of us, do life with this perfect God moment by moment so that we can experience the best life possible. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about ways that we fulfill our vision. And so far, we've covered authentic community, passionate worship, and biblical instruction. Well, today we add one more. It's relational outreach. And folks, the key word here is relational. We believe evangelism takes place best in the context of a relationship. And I think most of us know that we should be pointing people to Jesus. Like whether we like it or not, we know that telling people that Jesus is the way, that forgiveness and eternal life come through Jesus alone, that should be a priority in our lives, right? I think we know that. But let me toss out a few Bible verses. Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. And here it comes. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. One more. These are actually the last words of Jesus before he went back to his father in heaven. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the job of the church, our job as Christians. But if we're honest, most of us are not exactly excited about or excelling in this department, are we? And again, I think it comes back to the fact that we're not investing in relationships with people enough so that we can have a natural, authentic, non-awkward conversation about faith. And so today, this message is going to be a little different. It's going to be intensely practical. I just want to talk about, and we'll look at some Bible verses as well, a way that Paul did this, but I want to talk about how we can invest in relationships with the unchurched and even have a spiritual conversation without it being weird or awkward. So I'm using the acronym ICE today, I-C-E, to spell out the three steps because this is really, really cool, okay? That's the way you can remember it. I know, that was bad, but I had to come up with something. So... Let me just say this, a little disclaimer up front. If you've been around this church for a while, I bet you've heard me say some, some of these things. Like, I'm not claiming that this is all brand new stuff or earth shattering, but I will say this, and I promise you this, we all need to be reminded of this stuff. I don't think anybody's firing on all cylinders in this department. If you are, we'll give you your money back, okay, whatever you tithe, but I don't think so. And I think you'll be blown away, blown away by the simplicity of it if you'll try it. So, so just, yeah, do me a favor, just try this. Let's dive in. First, you got to invest in relationships with the unchurched. I read recently that the number one problem Christians say they have in sharing Jesus with others is they simply don't have many, if any, non-Christian friends, people outside the faith. And the number one reason we give for that, we're we're too busy. (laughs) Sometimes too busy doing stuff at church. Okay, that's a problem. Like we all need relationships outside the walls of the church. 
So how do you do this? Well, if you go out to eat regularly, let me encourage you to frequent a particular restaurant over and over again and just get to know the people who work there. If you know me well, you know I do this. I'm addicted to Shanghai Express, okay? They're Chinese food, especially their wonton soup. They put crack in it or something. I just keep coming back, all right? I'm serious. Right now, I'm just thinking about my mouth. I'll start drooling all over the podium. But, but over time, I mean, we're talking like, what, 10, 15 years now, I've developed a rapport in there. And every once in a while, I'll talk with the owners and something will happen. In fact, the owner's son, Devin, he was in his teenage years and they were looking for a church and said, hey, could, could we connect him with the youth group? And so we did. He came to our church, got involved in our youth group and put his faith in Jesus Christ at one of our youth retreats, okay? Yeah, we can, we can applaud that. But I share that with you just to let you know that was, that was years and years of time, right? But this works. And it's not just about restaurants. It's about not just hanging out with Christians all the time. And I know I've talked to people. Some people think spiritual maturity means you only hang out with other believers. Like that's way off base. I mean, Jesus went out looking for people outside the fold and we should do the same. So I want you to think about this. Think about the hobbies that you have. Like I'm not asking you to do something new. Think about the stuff you're already doing and can't most of them be done with somebody outside the church? And maybe you work out, maybe you play golf, you watch sports, maybe, maybe you play tennis. Like how about playing tennis with somebody outside the church just to hang with them Okay, it's not like this, I'm going to convert you right now kind of relationship. Like, don't do that. Don't force it. You don't have to say, okay, it's, it's 40 love. And, and speaking of love, <laughs> did you know God loves you and has a wonderful? Just play the game of tennis, right? Because you both enjoy playing a sport. You're both human beings. You want to play. And then over time, if you just get to know them, you connect with them, this prayer will emerge. I guarantee you, at some point in time, you're going to go, man, God, I love you, and I love this person. Could you maybe help me to think of some way to, to connect, like some next step, maybe something I could say to get this person together with you, maybe a book for them to read, something I could invite them to? Like, use soccer moms. I mean, Wendy used to use that time when our kids were playing sports, soccer, tennis, gymnastics, to connect with the other moms. And inevitably, it leads to conversations about life and kids and family, and God can use that. Like right now, I'm actually talking to a guy at the gym who's never graced the doors of a church. He actually had never even opened up a Bible or read the Bible until about two months ago. And I'm just building a bridge into his life one step at a time. How? By getting to know him, like actually caring about who he is as a person. In fact, about two months ago, we actually had lunch together. And so just pay attention to common connection points like Maybe you've got common experiences, common background, common interests. You know, you've heard the passage where it says Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? Have you ever thought about that, though? He wasn't just an acquaintance. He was a friend. That says something a little bit deeper, doesn't it? A friend of sinners. That means he invested in those people. He cared about what they cared about. Like he entered into their joys and their pains, and so should we. We can't authentically talk about a God who cares about them if we don't care about them. So just invest in unchurched people. And then over time, sooner or later, they'll start to open up to you. And maybe they'll share a struggle. Maybe they'll share a challenge with you. And that can be a huge connection point. But when they share, please, please, please respect their experience. Respect that struggle. Respect that hurt. Don't just try to dive right in and fix it all. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. 
Mourn with those who mourn. What does that say? That says, man, care about them, right? Rejoice with those who rejoice. You come in, man, that's awesome. Mourn with those who mourn. Man, I'm so sorry. Let them see that you care. And if you have a similar story or similar experience, you might tie in how you got through that with God's help. And maybe there's a relationship that's been severed and they wonder if it can ever be mended. Well, you can offer God's hope in that situation. You might say something like, you know what? I've seen God do the impossible in situations like that. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. So first, invest in relationships with people outside the church. And then second, at the right time, let me encourage you to connect your story to their story. Connect your story to their story. And I'll explain what I mean by this. First of all, this can be the point at which you encourage the positives in their life. You know, we are so quick to think about all the ways that unbelievers are wrong, about so many areas like wrong about God, wrong about truth, morality, worldviews, that we tend to miss all the stuff that we actually share in common. One of the most amazing speeches in history was delivered by the Apostle Paul in the city of Athens. It was at a place where people would bring their idols from all over the world to this location called Mars Hill. And on Mars Hill, they had all these statues there, all these shrines, just one God after another, after another. And Paul gets up to address the people, but he doesn't blast them. Instead, you know what he does? He does this right here. He connects stories. He finds connection points. Let me show you the connection points Paul makes here. It says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious because we all are. We all worship something, whether we recognize it or not. So there's a connection point. Hey, you're religious, I'm religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, connection point, they worship. I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Connection point. The God that they don't know is the one true God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. Smooth, right? And then he goes on to share the good news of Jesus with them. You see, instead of focusing on what they didn't share in common, or the fact that these Athenians were basically a bunch of pagan idol worshipers, Now, Paul took aspects of their religious and moral lives, their story, and connected them to his story. And if we really listen to another person in a genuine two-way conversation, and we ask the Holy Spirit for guidance, I believe we can make those same kinds of connection points. It's not that hard. Just look for common ground. You know, maybe they believe there is a God. They're just not sure about Jesus. We'll use that as a springboard. Focus on the fact that you both believe in God. And when I talk about connecting your story to their story, okay, this is very important. This should include the part that God plays in your story, your spiritual story. And some of you, you you don't even realize the potential impact of your story, but I guarantee you that somebody needs the encouragement. Somebody needs the hope. Somebody needs the leading toward God that your story can offer because God uses people's stories to connect with other people. And every single Christian has a spiritual story. Most of us, though, we just haven't spent the time and effort to think about it. And I know even as I'm saying this, some of you are thinking, yeah, but Brian, you know, maybe the reason most of us haven't told our story is because it's kind of boring. 
Like you've heard people share their stories at church or special events and you've gone, whoa, that's incredible. Like I know some people have such radical conversion stories that you sit there listening with story envy. You're like, oh man, their story falls in the category of dramatic and mine just falls in the category of drab. Like, gosh, I wish I had done drugs in the past or something. <laughs> if I had been in a gang, that would be cool. Should have got a tattoo serpent. Up, you know, I don't, then I'd have a cool story to share. <laughs> I'm serious though. People have shared that. Like they, they struggle with that because they're like, man, what do I got? You know, your story doesn't have to be intense for it to have impact. I mean, you don't have to have a painful past to know you would be absolutely, utterly, completely lost without Jesus. So as you think through your story, let me give you three little steps here, three little categories, very simple. Before Christ, meeting Christ, and after Christ. I want you to think through this. You can do this on your own at home. First of all, what was your life like before you met Christ? You know, for me, I was going to college. I was a freshman. I'm trying to figure out what in the world am I going to do with my life? Like, I had no idea. And of course, that led to bigger questions like, what is the meaning of life? Well, second, how did you meet Christ? Well, I was searching for God, and God found me. I actually got a knock on my dorm room door, individual inviting me to a Bible study on John right down the hall. And so I went there, and that led me to questions about God and heaven and hell. The leader shared the gospel that Jesus died for my sins, that forgiveness and eternal life are found in him and him alone, and all I have to do is put my faith in Jesus. And so I did. I believed. And then third, how has your life changed after you met Christ? Folks, I'm literally an entirely different person. Obviously, my whole life and career were changed because of his impact on my life. So that's my story in a nutshell, okay? And if people have further questions, I can share that with them or not, but it's really that simple. Most of this can be shared in about 30 to 45 seconds. If you think it through, you can answer each of these questions with a single sentence. It's not rocket science. But please hear me on this. You don't have to force this into a conversation. Let me say that again. You don't have to force this into a conversation. If you just live your life, Moment by moment, depending on God, trusting in his power, and people see that, they'll ask questions because they'll see a difference in you. So just listen for story-sharing opportunities. And when they come up, when those come up, jump on them. Be bold enough to say something. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know, okay, Brian, if I'm honest, I'm okay talking about life, but I get nervous just thinking about talking about God, talking about my faith, like, talking about Christianity and anything along those lines. And right now you're feeling this guilt settling in because you're like, I'm not comfortable with that. And maybe you've been a believer for a long time, but you haven't been sharing your faith because in the back of your mind, an evangelist is synonymous with being obnoxious or in your face, and that is not your style. Okay, if that's you, let me ease your fears big time right now, okay? First of all, I'm not asking you to memorize the four happy hops to heaven, all right? Don't have to do that. I'm not asking you to go accost complete strangers in the parking lot at Target, all right? And some of you may be out there going, yeah, that's real evangelism. And that's me because I'm relatively psycho, okay? All right, great. If that works for you, go for it. But I bet 90% of you in here are going, that is not me. Like, I can't do that. And, and since it's not me, since I'm not comfortable with that, I must not be very good at evangelism. And then we just do this, right? That, that's, just, that's just not me. 
Okay, you can relax. First of all, this is not gonna be a complete stranger. This is gonna be somebody you know. And you're looking, you're waiting for that moment, that bridge to connect your story to their story. You're not trying to force it. See, I'm not asking you to force your way into some kind of conversation, okay? I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to shove your way into somebody's life just to find that story-sharing opportunity. Like forcing it is inauthentic. (laughs) It's not natural. It needs to be easy. It needs to happen in the flow of things. And some of you, you've heard me joke about this in the past, but if, if somebody says to you, hey, what are you doing for lunch today? Hey, don't go, I don't know, but what are you doing after you die, okay? <laughs> please, please no. That's called going too deep, too fast, being too weird, all right? Just, just, just listen to people. You know, in our fast-paced culture, somebody who actually listens and cares and pays attention, that is very, very refreshing but don't force it. Like if you're out walking your dog and someone says, hey, nice dog. Don't go, you know, dog spelled backwards is God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he too can be your best friend. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> I, the reason I'm having fun with this, people, there's, there's a purpose behind this, is because I've done crazy stuff like that, okay? I'm serious, I have felt guilty about not sharing my faith. I remember one particular time. I won't tell it to you because it's just so embarrassing. (laughs) Like I don't put myself out. All right, so it's an old friend. I invite him out for lunch, and um, I I think he's interested in spiritual things. His wife is absolutely no way, right? So I know over lunch it's not going to work. Like we spend three hours over lunch, never comes up. I never bring it up. And then I get back. He actually bought my dad's music shop. I get back to the shop, and I try to move my way in. At the very end, just say, hey, you know what? And I just go crashing in. Totally awkward moment. Really went bad. <laughs> and, you know, every time I've thought about this, every time I've tried to force it, and it's unnatural, it's never gone well. But I'm saying, if you just listen to somebody, and you really care, then in the midst of a conversation, somewhere, sometime, you'll find natural opportunities, a bridge from your life to theirs. And you can say, you know what? Thanks for sharing that, man. I used to feel that way too. Or that makes total sense that you would say that because I've walked down that road too. And you use those moments as bridges. Now, let me say a word real quick here about a very common fear that people have when it comes to sharing their faith. Okay, this is very, very common. It's the fear of ignorance. That somebody in the midst of you sharing your faith, they're gonna say something to you. They're gonna ask some question about God or spiritual things or theology. And you're like, I have no idea. I don't have the right answer. That is a common fear that someone's gonna say, hey, what's the eschatological nature of human suffering as it relates to a sovereign deity? (laughs) You know, that appears like pantheism rooted in a free will utopia. You're going, uh... (laughs) No hablo anglais. <laughs> what did you just say? Believe it or not, that does make sense if you break it down, but it's, it's crazy. I mean, even I would struggle with that question. I mean, so let me just say, this whole fear of not having the right answer, first of all, we're talking about sharing your story here, right? And, and most people are not going to question your story. I've never had anybody question my personal story. Like, wait a minute, was there really a Bible study in that college dorm? Yeah. I don't believe you prayed and trusted Jesus. Are you sure it really shaped your life? It's like, who can question the life changes that happened in your life? 
right? And second, if people have questions about God and Christianity and you don't know, it's not a big deal. There's something very simple you can tell them. You can memorize this. I don't know. <laughs> I know, genius. I don't know. But that's a great question. And since you've asked such an intelligent question, I'm going to go out and seek out an answer. Because my guess is that in 2,000 years of Christianity, somebody has asked that question, and there's an answer. You see how simple that is? Now, before I leave this point, let me give you one very powerful, very non-threatening way to introduce spiritual things into a conversation. I'm going to go so far this morning as to say this is the single most effective way to let people know that God's a part of your life in a non-threatening kind of way. All right? I've used this more times than I can count. <laughs> Always very effective. Anytime somebody shares a big event in their life, maybe it's a challenge, maybe it's something they're concerned about, maybe it's some struggle, simply say this, I'll pray for you. And that's it. Just drop it. Just, I'll pray for you. You know, I have never once had anybody tell me, no, 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 don't you do that. You may not pray for me. They might not think it'll help. They might say, yeah, well, I don't believe in that, but you do you. That's fine. Go ahead. But most of the time, let me tell you what's going on inside. I know this because people come back to me. Most of the time, they are blown away that you would care enough to stop and do that for them. And see, it shows you have faith in a higher power, right? You're not being specific, and, and it's not offensive. And usually at that point in time, about 90% of the time I've found, they'll let you in a little bit on what they believe about God and spiritual things, just based on the fact that you said, I'll pray for you. So there was an article in the Washington Times recently indicated that somewhere between 80 to 90% of Americans still pray at times. So this is very safe, very powerful kind of transition. And when you say, I'll pray for you, that can be used in so many contexts and be effective. Like someone at work comes up to you and says, hey, man, I've got this project deadline. Man, I'm just swamped. I've got this big presentation coming up. Just say, hey, I'll pray about that. I'll pray for you. A friend shares about an illness or upcoming surgery, maybe for themselves, maybe for someone else. Hey, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for that person. Somebody's struggling in their marriage or with their kids. I'll pray for you. You see, the opportunities for this one are endless, folks. Give it a try. Okay, one more key point. And these are in order. So once you've had some kind of spiritual conversation, then you can extend an invitation. Now, there are lots of ways to do this. I put a bunch on your outline there. You can invite them out for coffee. You can invite them out to lunch to further talk about whatever you're talking about spiritually. If they've got questions about God, Christianity, faith in general, I've turned a lot of people onto the explorego.com website. Incredible. Videos there, articles there, addressing all kinds of questions. Maybe you recommend a good book to them. Maybe you invite them to church. You know, most people are very open Christmas Eve and Easter, but you can invite them any Sunday. Yeah, you might invite them to one of our special events, a men's or women's breakfast or Bible study. I know the women's ministry events now include childcare oftentimes, and that's a big draw, especially for young moms with young kids. They're like, man, I get a break. Great. But just get to know the person. And if they're open, extend some kind of invitation. You see, I'm not asking you to become you know, full-fledged evangelist with all the right answers. This isn't about that. It's about having normal conversations with people and trusting God to do the rest. Should be easy and natural, not forced or stressful. All right, let's review. 
Invest in relationships with unchurched people. Maybe it's stuff you're already doing, restaurants, sports, kids. But purposely think about this question. What hobbies am I doing right now that I could do with people outside the church? And then once you befriend them, ease your way into connecting your life, your story to their story. And as they share big things that are going on in their lives, challenges, whatever, learn to toss out that phrase, I'll pray for you. See what happens. And then finally, extend invitations to talk further about spiritual things. If you do this right, if you don't force it, it'll happen naturally. I've used this method over and over again, seeing God do incredible things. But let me roll all this back because it all comes back to that one word, invest. Invest. Invest relationally in people outside of the faith. And why is this so important? Think about this, folks. When we get to heaven one day, you talk about passionate worship. We will experience passionate worship authentic community. We'll enjoy incredible fellowship up there. You know, we'll even serve in heaven. There are all these amazing spiritual things we'll do in heaven way better than we'll ever do here on earth. But the one thing you can't do in heaven that you can do right here, right now, here on earth, is invest in lost people with the hope of seeing their eternal destiny changed. I mean, is there anything more powerful, more amazing than that? That you can be a part of God's plan, be a partner with the Holy Spirit. But you got to invest. Let's pray. Lord, that is my prayer, plain and simple. Doesn't have to be a lot of people. It may just be one person right now that your Holy Spirit brings to somebody's mind. God, we just ask that you would show us who is it? Who is it that might be open? Who is it that I could befriend that I could be a friend of sinners. Because that's what we all are. We're all sinners. We're all just falling short continually. But there are so many people who need you, and at least two out of three are open if we'll engage them, and we'll do it in the context of a relationship. So, Lord, just show us. Today, this week, whatever it may be, just show us who it may be and help us to begin to build bridges. It may take weeks, months, or years, but help us to befriend, to invest, to connect our stories, and then to extend invitations to explore spiritual things together. And God, I've seen you use this over and over again. It's very simple. It's what Paul did. It's what we see all throughout the scriptures. It's what you did, Jesus. So help us to emulate you. And God, we know we can't do this apart from your Holy Spirit working. So we ask for your Spirit to give us the courage, the strength, and the ability to do this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a fantastic week, and go find somebody outside the church to invest in.